Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. I know it's been a hot minute. There's been a lot going on, but we're still here. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Rick Olderman, and he is the owner of Fixing Your Method. He is a sports orthopedic physical therapist, and he does a variety of things that he is here to share with us today. But he's also here to talk about his experience of being in this industry for 25 years and how it has helped people in the scoliosis world um, with his knowledge and his experience and and what he's done along the way. So Rick, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, Teresa. Oh, absolutely. So can you share with us, um, I know, so break down for us specifically, what is a sports orthopedic physical therapist? Yeah, it's basically a physical therapist um, that usually deals with more acute like sports or mechanical injuries like motor vehicle accidents and things like that. Strains, sprains, you know, broken bones, things like that. Okay. Uh, However, I very quickly realized that the majority of my patient population were were people with chronic pain, not not these acute, you know, you know, strains and sprains and things. Okay. And, and when you're talking about the chronic pain, where specifically was that, if you wouldn't mind sharing that? Head to toe, okay. uh, basically anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so chronic just basically means anything over three months. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. So anything, any unresolved pain for over three months is fairly technically a uh, chronic issue. Okay. Okay. And then our, our show is about scoliosis, and um, I know that you have also dealt with uh, people with sciatica, and that can start, that can go on for years with some people. Um, in your experience and in your profession, again, of 25 years, how has that related to back pain and then diving further into it with scoliosis? And how have you dealt with clients who have scoliosis along the way? Yeah, so uh, I I have a unique way of looking at the body. Uh, mm-hmm. In medical school, we are trained to see things more from a component standpoint. Okay. Meaning that our job is to identify which tissue is damaged, treat okay. that tissue, mm-hmm. and then out you go. But this is why I believe we have chronic pain is mm-hmm. because there's nothing that's testing why that tissue is damaged, and so. That's what I felt was missing in PT school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've owned my own clinic for the last 10 years and trained a bunch of therapists there. They were all missing that piece too. It wasn't okay. just me. Okay. We're not training uh, the whys behind pain. We're only treating that something is happening. And we have a million orthopedic tests to, to figure out which tissue is damaged. 
We have zero tests to say why that tissue is damaged. And so that's what I've been focusing on because as a, you know, prior, I felt going into PT school, this was why we have pain, right? Mm -hmm. Is Mm -hmm. understand you, it's, it's not your fault that I have back pain. It's my fault. Right. Okay. So I have to be doing something causing this. And right. so that's what was missing from my education. And, and that's what I've been figuring out these last 25 years. That's, that's amazing because it is so much of the why. And in, in our world of scoliosis, you know, the why is if we had the answers to the why, it wouldn't be so um, emotional for us. Mm-hmm. because the scoliosis, you know, having scoliosis, I grew up with it. And in my world at the time, there was like nobody that had it. Sure. And, 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 and now, you know, there's, it's evolving and, and the whys of breaking it down are, are informing clients and giving clients education and empowerment. I, I really hope to, you know, today I'd love to clue you in on my approach to looking Please. at scoliosis. It's very unique. Absolutely. And, okay. So, so what I've done is uh, I've, I've, I call my approach more of a systems method to okay. solving pain, okay. which is basically understanding the body as a system. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, back pain and scoliosis kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned is that the uh, back pain that people are having from scoliosis isn't often from scoliosis. It's from what scoliosis does to a different pattern in the back. And I'll explain that in just a sec. Okay. So if, if, though, if your listeners have back pain, I'm going to have, the, I'm going to take them through this little test. So they can okay. understand what I'm really talking about. Okay. So everyone just lie down on your backs with your legs straight, lie down on the floor and just feel what your back feels like when your legs are flat on the floor like that. Okay. Okay. And now, uh, and usually I'll have people stay like that for 20, 30 seconds, but mm-hmm. we'll kind of speed things up here for this mm-hmm. podcast. So what I'd like you to do now is bend your knees so your feet are flat on the floor mm-hmm. or hug your knees to your chest. Mm-hmm. All right. So Teresa, do you have back pain yourself? No. Okay. So can you imagine which position might feel better for our back and of these two positions? Yeah. Which one? I would say with the knees bent. Correct. The neutral spine. Absolutely. So 99% of the people listening will feel, well, since this is a scoliosis podcast, perhaps 100% okay. <laughs> will feel better. Their backs will feel better when their knees are bent. So what's going on here? Well, the obvious answer is that when the legs are straight, you can feel that your back arches off the floor a little bit more than right. when your knees are bent and your back is flatter to mm-hmm. the floor. So you might think, oh, well, the shape of my spine is wrong. No. What we're doing is when your legs are straight, there are uh, connections from your legs pulling on your pelvis that cause your back to become more arched. Mm-hmm. When you bend your knees, you're removing those forces from your pelvis and your mm-hmm. pelvis is returning to its more natural position, mm-hmm. which then restores the back to its more natural position. That's why it feels better. Okay. All right. Okay. So we've just learned that your back feels worse when your legs are straight and your back is more arched and it feels better when your knees are bent and mm-hmm. your back is less arched. Mm-hmm. So now everyone stand up and listen to this podcast for the next 10 minutes or so. And what I want you to do is I want you to notice after about a minute or so, what you're going to notice is that your knees will start locking straight or backwards. Okay. Okay. And so let's go ahead, even if that's not happening to you, go ahead and do that right now and feel that your knees are locked backwards. And now feel what your back is doing. And now unlock your knees 
and feel what your back just did. And if you're not sure, go ahead and lock the knees one more time and you will feel that when your knees are locked, your back arches more. And when your knees soften, your back arches less. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just like we just discovered on the floor. Okay. But we don't take that information from the floor and apply it to an upright position. Okay. So this one tip alone solves a lot of back pain in people is getting them to start unlocking their knees when they're standing, walking, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So what that's doing is taking that arch stress from the spine because we're relaxing some of the key leg muscles that are pulling on that pelvis by softening the knees. So locking the knees is an energy conservation move. We do it as we get more fatigued, and especially females who have had children will Mm -hmm. often do this more because as their fetus is growing in their belly, the, it becomes heavier and heavier and they lock their knees more and more so they don't have to use their leg muscles to hold themselves up. Okay. Then after the baby's born, they continue with that pattern. And so they're, they've kind of established this pattern of knee locking to stand mm-hmm. and, and walk. So anyway, that's what I mean by a systems approach is that we have to understand the habits that you're doing that involve the whole system and how that affects a particular area of pain, in this case, okay. back pain. Okay. So that tip alone will help a lot of people with back pain. If, if you have back pain, just unlock your knees. Okay. All right. And that will help a lot. So uh, uh, do you have any questions about that? Because I was going to go I, into the next I path. do. So if somebody wants to try this and they're not comfortable lying down, would you suggest that they do it lying against a wall? Or should they well, just do it in an upright position as well, standing well, up? Well, I'll tell you what, you don't even have to lie down. I mean, you don't have back pain and you knew that your back would feel better with your knees yeah. bent. Yeah. So if you already know the answer, you don't okay. even have to do the test. Okay. The test okay. is for those people who really have no idea. And you can lie down on a bed or a couch or whatever. Okay. You'll still feel the same change okay. in your back okay. shape and, and pain. One more question. So uh, sometimes with people with scoliosis, there's a prominence, right? Otherwise known as a rib hump. Mm-hmm. So if they're lying down on the floor, is the comfort level in their pelvis and their spine going to be different in one side in your experience versus the other side? It and may. And let's, any, and, uh, go sorry, ahead. I was going to say, and, and what would you suggest that they do for that? Well, that's where the second pattern comes in. Okay. All right. So we're just about to just, so I'll show <laughs> you, I've got a little skeleton here, folks. Okay. So scoliosis in medical terms is basically a lateral curve of the spine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about why this, that curve is occurring. It could be a congenital or structural curve, mm-hmm. or it could be a functional curve. All right. So many people, most people who aren't born with scoli- scoliosis develop scoliosis because of functional reasons. And those people born with scoliosis, that scoliotic pattern tends to deepen because of functional reasons. Mm-hmm. So function has a lot to do with the, the, the speed that scoliosis is forming and whether it forms at all. And it turns out solving it too. So the second pattern of, of things that are happening in the body can, around scoliosis is that there's something, uh, some people have a one side of their pelvis that's higher than the other and that same side of rib cage is lower. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're looking at this picture, I call this a side bending pattern mm-hmm. where the, let's say the right pelvis is higher and the right rib cage is lower. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is more of a functional pattern that's occurring. Okay. And 
so this would be defined as a scoliotic curve mm -hmm. in, the, in the low right. spine. Now, this side bending pattern typically occurs because of something in the right leg. Some problem there mm -hmm. is occurring and the brain is tapping into a reflex that we're born with called the withdrawal reflex okay. to get us off of the painful whatever it is in that leg. Mm -hmm. And it does that. It's called a withdrawal reflex because it pulls the pelvis up from off of that thing. You can watch YouTube videos of this with little babies. Okay. When they touch their feet down on something, mm -hmm. they immediately withdraw it. But it's not just the knee that's bending. It's the whole waist area that's shortening to mm -hmm. withdraw that leg. Okay. And so the, the muscles that are pulling the pelvis up are also attached to the rib cage. So they are going to pull the, the rib cage down, mm -hmm. which, as you can imagine, creates compression on this side of the spine, okay. which contributes to you know sciatic pain, okay. SI joint pain, unilateral back pain. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is the functional scoliosis, okay. right? But the congenital or structural scoliosis has, let's say, the same right pelvis is up, but at this time the left rib cage will be down. And okay. that's because of this kind of more S curve that's occurring. Mm -hmm. This is the pattern that you see with the rib hump that you were talking about right. just a second okay. ago, mm -hmm. okay? So, but these, these structural uh, scoliotic curves can also be corrected by functional means. Because okay. what happens is as that curve happens, we develop weaknesses and patterns of walking that mm -hmm. feed into this, the formation of that scoliotic curve. Mm -hmm. Those can be corrected. I mean, I, I correct functional or both types of scoliosis frequently. Okay. It's okay. not that hard to do. And so, um, so this is the interesting thing about scoliosis though. When you have an S curve scoliosis or a structural scoliosis where the one side of the pelvis is higher and the opposite rib cage is lower, this is, I have found that what that is doing is locking the, the low back into this arched pattern. Mm -hmm. So that first test that we did on the floor with the knee straight versus mm -hmm. bent, if you have structural scoliosis, you have an almost 100% chance of your back hurting more with your legs straight because the S curve is also locking the back into this arched position. Mm -hmm. That's what's causing pain. And so if we can get rid of that arch force, mm -hmm. we either, regardless of whether we've changed the scoliosis, your back pain will go away. Okay. All right. So then what we can talk, this gets into your other question. Well, when we're lying on our back and we have a rib hump and we have some kind of twisting of the, of the body, what's right. going on there, right? Well, this is the interesting thing about scoliosis is that often we have these big thigh muscles, mm -hmm. all right? And they start at the knee and they attach right here at the front of the pelvis. Mm -hmm. They are massive. I mean, think of your quads, you know, yeah. they're just huge, right? So when these muscles become tight, they tend to pull the pelvis forward, causing an arching force in the mm -hmm. low back in mm -hmm. response, all right? Now, this is often, especially in scoliosis, this is an asymmetrical pull. Mm -hmm. So we have one side of the pelvis that's tighter than the other, causing a rotation in the pelvis mm -hmm. and torque across the SI joint that then is compromised by the S-curve of the spine. Okay. Often these forces can be relieved just by stretching the thigh muscles correctly at the pelvis, which then restores the forces acting on the pelvis, okay. which then relieves the arching force from the low spine. 
And because it's an asymmetrical pull, for instance, one side of the pelvis will be pulled down more than the other, that then creates a natural functional side bending problem in the body mm -hmm. or the first type of scoliosis that we just talked about. Okay. Okay. So the asymmetry of this thigh tightness can contribute to and even cause scoliotic changes in the spine. So how would you help somebody who is dealing with this? Yeah. How do you, how do you help them to relieve if they have pain with scoliosis or if they have scoliosis and they don't have pain? Because I didn't have pain growing up. So uh, if you want to correct just the scoliosis, mm -hmm. this is often fed by a gait pattern. What is happening is when, when we're walking, suddenly what, what is happening is when we step on one leg, mm -hmm. there's a weakness in the pelvic muscles here mm -hmm. that is causing us to suddenly drop that rib cage down. Okay. Or the hip juts out more on that side. Okay. All right. So simply, if we become aware of that and correct that, that will stop the scoliotic forces from acting and causing the scoliotic forces oh, or the so shape. How do you, so how do you correct it? Oh, it's, well, first of all, you have to decide, you know, which side is weaker and where all this right, is occurring. Right. But I have a really simple exercise. Well, there's two that I would recommend. Okay. One I call the butt pump, all right? Because often if there's an issue of this happening, mm -hmm. what is happening is the, the one of the muscles, the gluteus maximus, the mm -hmm. big butt muscle, mm -hmm. isn't working well. Mm -hmm. And what that does then is the gluteus maximus is responsible for, for track, causing this thigh bone in the hip socket mm -hmm. to track correctly in the socket. Mm -hmm. And so when it's not working, this starts to get really sloppy and it breaks down the hip joint, causing arthritis, labral tears, all sorts of Okay. Bursitis, all sorts of problems. Okay. okay. So that's one of them. So one of them is like you just get on your elbows and knees and you do a donkey kick kind okay. of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the butt pump. Now, the second one, which is particularly important for scoliosis, is it's a standing hip strengthening exercise that I mm -hmm. do. So okay. what you do is you stand in front of a mirror mm -hmm. and let's say you're standing, standing as level as you can mm -hmm. and you lift up one leg just a half inch. Mm -hmm. Notice how far your body is shifting over and whether right. your shoulders drop on that stance leg mm -hmm. and then do it on the other side. And I'll bet you that if you look closely, you're going to see an asymmetry in how you stand on one leg versus the other. Okay. So what you would do typically, uh, well, since I don't have a body to work with, what I would say is the, the, the pick the side that doesn't hurt. Okay. Or the side that it seems taller and better mm -hmm. as your as your good side, mm -hmm. and so that stance leg. Look at how you're standing on that leg. Mm -hmm. That's what you want the other side to do. Okay. So then, what you do, can do is just slowly shift to the other side and try to reproduce what you just did on the good side. Okay. Okay. Now, often because what is happening is the weak muscles are weak. This same shoulder will drop down. Right. So a simple thing I have people do, just put your, the, whatever bad side it is, mm -hmm. put that hand on your head. For instance, okay. your right hand on your right head, shift your weight over to your right leg. Mm -hmm. And what that's doing is it's pulling up the rib cage and preventing it from coming down towards the pelvis, Okay. which then forces the hip muscles to stabilize that area better. Okay. Because the rib cage dropping down is, has become often a learned behavior. Right. Because of this weakness. Mm -hmm. And so you 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 can't break that habit without forcing it to be corrected. Right. Okay. But simply just putting a hand on your head. Okay. 
Yeah, because in the because I come from prior to my surgery, I was a dancer. So mm -hmm. in the ballet world, it was stand tall, and we always it was yes. like make believe that somebody's pulling you, you know, your hair from the top of your head so that it keeps yes. you to stand upright. So even when I work right. with my clients, you know, if we're doing um, marching, it's stand tall. Don't let your weight shift into one side. Yes, but stand well, tall, holding something yeah. like if we're doing uh, kettlebell goblets or. But yes. stand tall doing it. And it's really hard. Yes, it is. So uh, that can, and you can use those kettlebells to offset these curves right. as well. Right. But uh, what I would do is rather than letting them stand tall with both feet, I would have them start doing the sh weight shifting and learn how to correct that whatever side is asymmetrical mm -hmm. or painful. Okay. Have them learn how to correct it, like just by weight shifting from one side to the other. Yeah. It's a hugely powerful and effective way of correcting okay. uh, functional scoliotic patterns. Okay. And, and, and we talked a little bit about sciatica. So the connection of sciatica yeah. with scoliosis, can you share that with us too? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you have a functional scoliosis mm -hmm. where what, what I call a side bending problem where you have, the, say, the right pelvis up and right rib cage down, mm -hmm. well, it's pretty, I mean, almost all the, always, if you have a right side bending problem, you're going to have right-sided sciatica okay. because you have right-sided compression on the, on the nerve roots of that spine, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, uh, Sciatica isn't only due, though, to the shape of the spine. Remember what we talked about just now is that the tightness in the thigh muscles pulling on the pelvis, mm -hmm. that will also contribute to the scoliotic curve. Okay. So if you're not also stretching muscles like that to restore balance to the pelvis, mm -hmm. then this pattern will keep returning again and again and again. All right. So in an S curve, well, you know, I find it's a 50-50. It's a so... It's either going to be on the side where the pelvis is higher or it's right. going to be on the side where the ribcage is lower. It just okay. depends on other factors that are going on in that person okay. and what's contributing to that scoliotic pattern. Okay. But almost, I would say though, if you have an S curve and you have uh, sciatic pain, you've probably got some problem in that leg, an old injury of some sort mm -hmm. in the sciatic leg that needs to be addressed because the sciatic pain is occurring because of some weakness or unusual tightness like these thigh muscles uh, that we described earlier. Okay, and then, and so how would, is there something that you can suggest for people? Like if somebody says, oh, I think I might have that going on. What is something yeah. that, how, how, what's the educational tip that you can give them so that they can kind of assess their own bodies? Like you did yeah. with standing on one leg, you know, sure. so that you're shifting the weight. Well, here's an easy one for, for people. First is just take your shirt off and have someone take a picture of the back of you. Mm -hmm. If you have had a, a uh, side bending problem for a while or uh, S-curve scoliotic pattern for a while, you'll notice that there's one side of the spine back that has a bigger crease in the waist than the other side. Okay. The side with the bigger crease is the side with the more compression. Okay. All right. And if that happens to be the side where your pain is, then that's the side where you should focus on starting to pay more closer attention to weaknesses on one side versus the other. Okay. Okay. So to, to take this a little bit further, if we were, for instance, that hip strengthening exercise, mm -hmm. right? So rather than just lifting one foot off and then the other, 
So let's say that's really easy. And now you, you see, oh yeah, it's my left side, it's weaker. And I, I can correct that if I really pay attention. Well, now we add, uh, we need to add uh, resistance to it to make it strong out in the world. Right. So what I have people do is I have them get an exercise tube, stand out with both feet, and then do the same thing. And, and the foot that's up, now you're, now you're pumping it out to the side like this, okay. just about six inches. Okay. And what that does, it's not strengthening the leg that's moving. It's strengthening this leg that's down because it has to stabilize right. against this movement against resistance. Yeah. And so what you'll find is, is that as it tries to stabilize, this rib cage will start to sink down more and more and more because you don't have the strength to do that. Or you'll see that the hip juts out to the side more and more and more like that mm -hmm. because of the lack of strength. Okay. That's what you have to pay attention to a little bit more closely because you can solve that's just a strength issue. You yeah. can solve that. And that will have huge benefits to the formation and feeding of the scoliotic curves that are occurring in the body. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And it's and I mean you're we're doing this over Zoom and you're showing me a skeleton and I'm a very visual person. So seeing that, it makes total sense, right? Because that's also what the body is then conditioned and comfortable to doing with a curve and just leaning into that curve. Correct. So to try to counteract that, to stand in a different position, makes yeah. sense to strengthen the stabilizing leg on that. Yeah. And I'm sure you've looked into or heard of the Schroth method. I did it with my yeah. daughter for two years. Okay. So I haven't studied the Schroth method. Okay. However, they seem to be very effective for correcting scoliotic curves. Yeah. And I think that they are doing something similar to this uh, with their strengthening exercises is to force that to stabilize on that side in yeah. some way. Oh, I was gonna say a lot of people with scoliosis also have neck pain and headaches. Mm -hmm. And I would like to talk about the connection between scoliotic changes and neck pain and headaches. Cause this is, this is even more dramatic, I think, than what we just talked about okay. and, and misunderstood. So if you look at the body, most of it, and right now I'm holding up the skeleton, Mm -hmm. And you can see most of our, our body is made up of these long bones, mm -hmm. right? Long, thin bones. But there's like two areas on the body that are made up of different bones. One is the pelvis, and this has a broad, flat bone. And mm -hmm. we all know that the pelvis is the, uh, is the center of function for the lower body system mm -hmm. and the back system. Mm -hmm. The second area are the shoulder blades. Same as the pelvis architecture, they are also the center of function for our upper body system, mm -hmm. okay? Most people with neck pain and headaches have been treated by ha practitioners who are looking at the neck or the head as the source of the problem, right? Okay. And that's why they have chronic pain. It's because that's not where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. The cause of most neck chronic neck pain and headaches is the shoulder girdle system because there are significant attachments from the shoulder blade, and you can look, up, look them up on Google if you want, from the shoulder blade to the neck and the head. And so when you solve the shoulder girdle system, you solve neck pain and headaches. And I've got a new book coming out uh, next year, Solving the Pain Puzzle. And okay. there's, I think I have a story on my website, rickolderman.com. One of the stories from the books, from the book involves neck pain. So if you want okay. to read about that, you can go to the website and read that for free. All right. So, so you brought up this point. So if we just take that as a given, and I can go deeper into those connections if you want to, but uh, if we just take this as a given that I'm telling the truth, 
that the shoulder girdle system is the cause of most chronic neck pain and headaches. Mm -hmm. You brought up a point earlier, Teresa, about the rib pump. Right. All right. And we've also been talking about the rib cage position. Mm -hmm. And then often mm -hmm. in scoliosis, whether it's functional or structural, there's a depression in this rib cage towards the pelvis. Mm -hmm. All right. So if we know that the shoulder blade is resting on the rib cage, and we know that the rib cage is depressed because of a scoliotic issue, mm -hmm. then the sh shoulder blade is also depressed, okay. which then changes the tension pattern in, from the shoulder blade into the neck and head. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. So, so fixing the, sh the rib cage by what we were just talking about mm -hmm. can also help fix neck pain and headaches because okay. it's going to restore proper alignment of the rib cage on which the shoulder blade rests. Okay. To, and, and then those muscles attaching from there to the neck and head can also uh, receive a lot of relief from the strain that they're under because of the scoliotic curve. Okay. But now we all, you also mentioned that there's a rib hump, all right? And this is common with structural scoliosis. Mm -hmm. is that a, so the, there are rules about how the shoulder blade should be resting and moving. And the whole purpose of this is that when we are raising our arm up in the air, right, the, this shoulder blade should be assisting pushing that arm up in the air to mm -hmm. support that whole system. And so, but what happens is when there's a rib hump back here, that shoulder blade gets stuck a little bit. Okay. And what happens is what, what I have found is that people with, scolio with a scoliotic rib hump, they either allow the rib cage, the, the, I'm sorry, the shoulder blade to be on the outside of the rib pump towards the front or the side of the body, mm -hmm. or they create excessive force trying to pull the shoulder blade in toward the spine to get over that rib pump and hold it there. So the rib, the shoulder blade is either too close to the spine or too far away from the spine, okay. depending on how they've decided subconsciously to mm -hmm. deal with this um, rib pump. Okay. Usually they pull it in too close uh -huh. because if it's too far out away, then they feel like their whole arm is almost out of the socket. It's mm -hmm. just resting mm -hmm. forward. It feels like it's poor posture and all that kind of stuff. So there are unique issues that occur because they've developed this holding pattern around this rib hump of holding the shoulder blade here. One of them being that when the arm is raising up, they don't know how to let it go now because they've trained it to be toward the spine. Mm -hmm. It can't move anymore. And so okay. what that does is it causes the shoulder joint itself, all the little muscles here to overwork and become okay. impinged. Okay. And so there develops a lot of shoulder problems. Okay. Does that make sense in a nutshell? Yeah. That, that to me that makes sense. To me that makes okay. sense. But then how do you how do you release that? Yeah. So first of all, we have to show them that this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that they can wrap their their mind around. Right. Oh, I have been holding that back there, or oh, that's why it's hard for me to do this or that or the other. Right. right? We're not going to change that rib pump. At least I don't have any studies that show that it's going to change from what I'm doing anyway. Okay. So maybe that maybe I am changing it, but you okay. know, I'm just a okay. clinician. I don't I don't I don't do research, right? So uh, so anyway, so first of all, we teach them that this is happening, mm -hmm. and then what we do is we I, I get in there with my hands and I loosen the shoulder blade from the rib cage. Okay that allows it now because it's become so adhered down mm -hmm. it just can't move okay. we've got to loosen that up so it can move okay. and then i give them like a child's pose stretch okay right 
-hmm. where they lean back. And right. what that does is it starts to get the shoulder blade moving the way it's designed to move. For okay. It's simple. So what I, one of the other things though, is that let's assume that the rib cage is depressed and therefore the shoulder blade is depressed mm -hmm. and therefore these connections to the neck are wrong. Mm -hmm. What I can also do is I tape up the shoulder blade into a better position. Okay to put it back into a better position and keep okay. it there. And it's almost instantaneous relief for most okay. people with neck pain or headaches. Okay, okay. And, All and of these things, by the way, are in my home programs. Okay. The taping techniques, everything. I was just, so you just talk about taping and I did this, mm -hmm. I didn't, I watched the therapist do it with my, the Schroth specialist do it with my daughter. Can you dive into that and what it does? Sure. So, uh, well, in the case of a shoulder girdle system taping, uh, one of the rules of the shoulder blade is that when the arms are resting, this spine of the shoulder blade should be resting at thoracic level two. Mm -hmm. Almost always with people with chronic neck pain and headaches, it's gonna be resting at thoracic level three or four, okay. all right? And the per person doesn't have the means on, from which to change that at all because there are lots of reasons this is happening, regardless mm -hmm. of whether you have scoliosis or not. Okay. So what I developed was a technique where I, I tape the shoulder blade mm -hmm. and then lift it and then put the tape over. So it, it's holding the shoulder blade up. And that is then unloading the connections between the shoulder blade and the neck bones and the base of the skull. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. It's hugely powerful for getting instant pain relief for any kind of neck, chronic neck pain or headaches. Mm -hmm. The only caveat to that is that, uh, well, there's two. One is that the tape that I use is uh, some people with, especially with fair skin, mm -hmm. have an allergic reaction to it. Because you can imagine a shoulder girdle system weighs about 20 pounds. Okay. The tape has to be quite strong to be able to hold that up. Yeah. Right. And Part of the reason that is strong is because of the, the nature of the adhesive in the mm -hmm, tape, mm -hmm. which then causes the skin to break down. But usually I'll, the first time I tape for people, I, I tape them for like four hours. Okay. That's usually long enough for us to know whether this is the right thing to do or not. Okay. And I would okay. say 99.9% .9 of the time it is. Okay. And then, and then we use the tape as a bridge to get them feeling better. That convinces them, oh, it is my shoulder blade. So we fix that and then they mm -hmm. wean themselves off the tape after, okay. after that. So the taping creates tension in the shoulder blade to bring it to a proper alignment and then takes no. the tension. No, okay. It's actually relieving tension in the shoulder blade. Okay. You would think by making it go up higher mm -hmm. that it would be causing tension. But actually there's a, what, the primary muscle that's causing pain, neck mm -hmm. pain and headaches is the levator scapula. Okay. It comes from the corner here. It goes up to C1 through four. Okay. All right. And levator means elevate, right? Mm -hmm. So it's under stress because it's trying to lift the system up, mm -hmm. right? But the system weighs 20 pounds and it's just a little pinky muscle, right? Okay. Right. The big muscles aren't doing their job or they're pulling the system down okay. or the rib cage is depressed in the case of scoliosis. Okay. So it's left up to this little teeny tiny pinky muscle mm -hmm. to, to do all this work. Mm -hmm. Well, what we're doing is by lifting the shoulder blade up, we're reproducing the levator scapula. It finally gets this someone to come in and say, hey, take a break. I'll hold this for you. Okay. And that, so it's relieving tension okay. in the shoulder girdle rather than causing tension. Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. 
just yeah, I it was works. Just, it just when you when I hear about the tape and then bringing it, it not, my mind goes to okay, it's going to create tension, but it doesn't do that at all. So yeah, there's tension on the tape, right? Uh, right, but but not in your system. Yeah. I'd rather be in a, in the tape rather than in your system. Yeah, because I remember doing. My daughter had to have it when she was she started the shroth and then they taped her and then they would she would have to keep the tape on and for the most part it stayed and she was uh on the swim team and sometimes it stayed and sometimes it didn't yes. and then they would have to retape her um and it worked quite well it i i remember i remember those two years quite well now teresa you've mentioned emotional issues a couple times since mm -hmm. we've talked do you mm -hmm. I, I would like to speak a little bit about that too if you don't please mind. by all means okay okay so um uh it's it's a big thing to unpack but i'll try and make it as short as possible okay so um we have um patterns of fascia that run through our bodies right all right and there are super highways of these fascias of these fascia of fascia that connects our the bottom of our feet to the top of our head mm -hmm. okay so uh, there are different types of fascia that occur in the body. And one of those types is called myofibroblasts. And myo means muscle. It has four times the contractile capacity of regular muscle, of regular uh, fascia. And that's typically laid down in areas of mechanical stress. Well, with someone with scoliosis, they've got their fair share of areas of mechanical stress because yeah. of the pelvis misalignment, the rib cage, the rotation, the mm -hmm. rib hump all sorts and then all the compensations that are occurring because of it, right? So they may have a higher concentration of myofibroblasts than most other people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's, uh, there's something called transforming growth factor beta one, which is a cytokine that's released from our immune system okay. under, when we're under stress, whether okay. that's emotional stress, you know, work stress or whatever. Well, those trigger the myofibroblast to contract more. Okay. So if, if we're, those myofibroblasts are laid down in areas of mechanical stress and they're prone to contraction during times of stress because of the release of the cytokine, mm -hmm. this is why under times, under, uh, when we're under emotional or psychological stress or trauma, or we have some unconscious trauma in our past mm -hmm. that we're not really dealing with mm -hmm. that has set up shop in our body, mm -hmm. this is one of the ways I believe, I, I can't prove it, but the the pathway seems to be this um that this is how trauma or emotional stress is being lodged in our body in okay. certain different areas okay and it, it leads to my overall th theory of chronic pain in that everyone we all have a threshold above which we have pain mm -hmm. and whether your threshold is up here or down there it doesn't right. really matter right. above it you have pain and I believe that there are three things that are pushing us to that threshold. One are musculoskeletal issues that what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Another are dietary uh, and allergens and mold, things that we ingest mm -hmm. that cause an inflammatory response in our body okay. that also trigger that pain. Mm -hmm. The other is the emotional, spiritual, psychological trauma right. that also triggers tension patterns in our body yeah and so you can have all three of these you can have one of them mm -hmm. everyone's different yeah but this is my three pillars of pain theory this is why you can read books that like john sarno's where hey i read this book and my pain went away 
right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's because the primary, your pain was primarily an emotional issue. Mm -hmm. This is why it wasn't solved mechanically in the first place. It's because it wasn't a mechanical issue. And other people you'll read, oh, I I had this diet and my arthritis went away. Well, that was because you had a dietary or a mold, you know, Mm -hmm. irritant in your system. Mm -hmm. So it can be a combination of all. and, And this is why I believe there's no one person who has all the answers to everything. Yeah. It's because we're such a multifaceted organism. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's why we have this podcast and that's why you're on it and, and sharing all of your knowledge about it. And I know that you are in Colorado mm-hmm. um, and I'm in New York and I thought you were somewhere else. <laughs> I thought you were in California, but that's if okay. People- you- you thought I was someone else too. So I you did. Know. I did. I said, you have a very familiar face. And then one day I'll see that other face and I'll be like, that's who I thought he was, but it wasn't. Well, if it's George Clooney, then I'll feel really good about that. It, 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 it wasn't him. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's but, okay. but Rick, please share with us if somebody has questions and, and they want more. I know that you have uh, DVDs, I believe on your website there are downloadable home programs so you can access them you know online or you can get the dvd or you can get both if you want but okay uh you know the way this has worked out is uh, you know i've spent the last 25 years figuring out all of these things Mm -hmm. and how it creates pain in the body Mm -hmm. and then these last and so i wrote uh, a series of books about 10 or 12 years ago okay and and they've sold well and they've done they've helped a lot of people Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until i i owned my clinic that I understood that these things are happening in patterns of problems in people. Okay. And the same pattern might cause back pain in me, but might cause sciatic pain in you right. or SI joint pain in, a, in another person. Mm-hmm. It's the same pattern. It's your personal history that has made it manifest as a different type of pain, okay. but it's the same thing. So anyway, after I recognized this, I created these home programs to help people more quickly and succinctly solve their pain. Okay. And so there, you can find those at rickolderman.com as well, or okay. fixingyoumethod.com. Okay. Uh, at rickolderman.com, it has, you know, my patient stories from my upcoming book, these mm-hmm. home programs. And I also have created an online training program for health and wellness practitioners okay. to solve pain based on a systems approach, okay. which is much different than what we've been trained to do. Um, and it's very effective. Okay. And if you buy anything from me, if you type in fixing you, all one word, you'll okay. get a 20 per, 20% discount. Well, anybody who has any questions, Rick has provided you with all the information. And please feel free to reach out to him at any time. If you're in Colorado, if you're in New York, where I am, he's, uh, he's approaching anywhere around the world. Rick, I would like to thank you for being a guest and sharing your knowledge about scoliosis and the methods that you have created along the way to help people like myself and people in my community. And thank you for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.